0: James chapter 5, I thought we were done with this series, and as I was prepping this week, the Holy Spirit was like, nope, so he's the boss, so we'd go with that. And I thought, man, I've already talked a lot about this verse. And then I was reminded of a, a something that Kenneth Hagin used to say years ago. Uh, he said, when you're pastoring, you know, a lot of times people think uh, always needs to be a new idea in every message. But faith is not, I've, faith cometh by, I have heard, faith comes by hearing. He said, when you get to a place you've preached a verse so many times that people know where you're going, and they're almost sick of hearing it, that's when you're getting, getting that word deep inside them. Right. Because the truth is that when we've had our bell rung, have you ever had your bell rung? Some of you might know what that means, your button pushed. the enemy sucker punch you. It's in that, the, the, that atmosphere of being caught off guard that you tend to forget all the notes you took. Come on, somebody. But it's in that atmosphere, when you're caught off guard, that you'll step back into those foundational truths that have been grounded into your heart and life. Amen? It's not like, ooh, I was trying. That's why the military, and since we're honoring veterans today, that's why the military military will have them do repetitive action over and over and over. Take the gun apart, put the gun back together. Take the gun apart, put it back together. Take it apart. Why, because in, in the stressors of the battle, that's not the time to think, okay, what was that point? Where is that notebook? Yeah. What was that verse? No, you have to have it on the inside of you. Amen. When, when the enemy tempted Jesus, he didn't say, I'll be right back. That's a good question. Let me go get a scroll. I think I can find it. I thought I saw I, I thought I read that somewhere. No. What did he, what did he do? It is written. Yes. Whew, the word was coming out. Yeah. With, if you think about it, since Jesus is the word, John 1, 1. And verse 14, then the word was coming out of the word. Right. Come on, somebody. Yeah. I mean, when, it, when he was attacked, what did he do? He began just to release what was on the inside of him. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth Speak. speaks. So the word would just, was activated. It was activated. See, it's just not that we've heard it or we can think about it. we got to also begin to declare it. Amen. There's power in the declaration of that word. Yeah. There's power in hearing that word. James 5, verse 16 through 17. The, the earnest, the heartfelt continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, dynamic, and it's working. We've been talking about prayer from, and the, a specific a alignment of that prayer as a dynamic declaration because there's different types of prayer. There's different types of prayer. And if we only know prayer in the context of generic prayer, then sometimes we'll struggle in utilizing which tool that we need to in prayer. There's a prayer of repentance. There's a prayer of faith. There's a prayer of agreement. And so to drill down farther in that thought, James gives us an example, and it comes out of 1 Kings 17, that that Elijah was an average man, a human person, who dealt with challenges just like the rest of humanity, and yet he prayed earnestly that it would not rain for three and a half years, and it did not rain. Well, that's a pretty good example. I think some of us would want to activate that when we go from 80 degrees to 20 degrees. Some of you are like, I need to figure this thing out. If you figure, if you get at that level, just kind of, let me throw on in an input, 72, nice breeze, blue sky, few cloud, three, three or four clouds in the eyesight all year round. Come on, somebody. But Elijah, if we go into the First Kings, wasn't on his knees saying, "Oh, if it's your will, Father, God, please help me with this." No, what did Elijah do? Elijah just decreed and declared before the king, within the role and position of his authority as a prophet, right. and said, "It will not. It will not rain for three and a half years until I say it's differently." Yeah. He was releasing the word now it, it wasn't a just a generic idea of "Ooh, i got an idea i'm going to just stop the rain because that'll be a cool trick no elijah found and we know it's in deuteronomy elijah found a, a place where god had already said if my people will serve me i will honor them and bless them and one of the blessings was rain upon their crops but if they turn from me and begin to worship other idols then i will bring drought into the land And he knew the situation of what was going on spiritually in Israel because they had turned from God and were were worshiping other idols, Baal. And so what was he doing? He was speaking under the authority of the anointing and position. What was he saying? What God had already said about the situation. So he wasn't making something up. And that's where people can get into some weird stuff uh, when they begin just to learn the power of words. They'll begin to make stuff up. And they're expecting God to empower the words that they've made up. But it's not asking God to empower the words that you've come up with. It's learning to find the the words that God has already empowered and get yourself into the alignment of the word that he's already spoken. Amen. That's where the power's at. Psalms 119. He's elevated his word above his name. Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away before my words will fail. So the power is in God's word. Amen. And the power of God's word is activated in our life when we begin out of the position of authority that we have to speak that word into our situation. Now, you can't speak that word and override the will of other people. Because if you could, then you could force people to get saved. But you can't force people to get saved. You can't force them to get healed. You can't force them to be blessed. You can't force someone. They have to operate at their level of faith, Romans tells us. And so it's a matter of, you can't go to your neighbor and say, as far as me and my house and your house too, we will serve the Lord. It's not your house. They're going to call the police on you. Right? right. right? You don't have authority over there. You might be a good parent, but don't parent my children. Right. You might be a good husband, but don't husband my wife. Right. So your ability to do something in your covenant doesn't allow you to usurp that authority in other covenants that you're not a part of. That's right. Can I get an Amen. And when we don't know that, that's when people start, it's almost like a spiritual teenager phase. Come on, parents. They get where they know enough that they're confident about what they know. But as a parent, you know that they need a little more wisdom in what they know for to become effective and productive in what they know. You can't teach me anything. I'm 16. Oh, yeah? You think you know that much, huh? And so even spiritually, people get a... a, bit of revelation begin to see and they'll get overly excited about it and they'll begin to take it into dimensions that God didn't call them. God didn't tell you, you can't force someone to get saved. I'm going to pray you out of hell and into heaven. You can't pray them out of hell and into heaven. That's not in the Bible. If you could, we would have an all night prayer meeting, get everybody saved. If God wouldn't do it, why do you think he would let us do it? And the danger of that is if we don't have the understanding of that, we'll actually say stuff like that, and we'll have people that will feel like I could do anything I want because I have a grandma that's going to pray me out of hell and into heaven. Uh-huh. And they'll split hell wide open. Yeah. And then they'll get there and say, Grandma, where were you? <laughs> no, it's, it's individual. Do you see that? Yes. See, we love people. We love you, no matter if you're serving God or not serving God. Your love, Jesus loves you, we love you. But if you want to go to hell, you're welcome to go to hell. Yep, yep, yep. We always say, it, you know, we have a bus that's going to heaven and destiny, and we have a place on the bus for you. But if you choose not to go there, if you don't want to take your seat, right. he's prepared a table for you. But if you don't take the seat, he can't force feed you what he has for you. Yep. Right, right. Amen. amen. And so you have to walk that out in your own faith. Can I get an amen? amen. Well, my grandma, she's a prayer warrior. She might be a prayer warrior. She might be the best prayer warrior on the planet, but she can't override your choices and your will. Exactly. Moving right along. So Elijah wasn't just picking something up. He was, he was declaring what God was saying. He was getting to the alignment. It's a dynamic declaration, declaring what God was saying. And I, the word, say the word, the word. Has, an has an assignment. Have you ever sent somebody out on an assignment? Maybe you tell your, your kids, go out and rake the leaves. My dad didn't do that. He would start and he would say, hey, son, you know, come help me wait, rake the leaves. Only take 10 minutes. I had learned that when he said 10 minutes, it was going to be a couple hours. <laughs> and so I'd go out and start raking, and we'd be raking in about five minutes. And he goes, you know, I got this started for you. You go ahead and finish off. And he'd leave me. Or a boss say, hey, listen, I want you to take this contract and take it to this other place, or I want you to do this. They send you on an assignment. Yeah. Here's your assignment for the day. Here's your assignment for the day. That's one of my prayers that the Lord dropped on my heart, that today I'm putting into action the plans of God. So many times, even, even pastors, we can get caught up with our plans and we start creating plans and developing plans and we get so stressed out trying to fulfill our plans and asking God to fulfill it. And for whatever motivation, sometimes it's because we like the plan. Sometimes we think it'll make us look better in front of the people, whatever it might be. But there is a, there's a whole nother rest when you begin to say, God, I, I want to do your plan. Yes. Today I choose to put it to action your plans. You show me what to do. You guide me in your word. You direct me by your spirit. I want to put my hands and feet to what you're doing. And what you want me to do? That was the will of. That's what Jesus did. He said, "I didn't come to do my will. I've come to do the will of the Father. I didn't come to speak my words. I've come to speak what God was or God has said." And so He is the expressed image. Word are the imitators of Him. Can I get an amen? amen? So the word has an assignment. Isaiah fifty-five eleven. The word goes forth. It will not return void, but accomplish that to which it's sent. So when you understand, that the word of God comes from the heart of God, the word of God, as it comes from the heart of God. As it goes forth out of his mouth, Isaiah fifty-five eleven says, as it goes out of his mouth, as it is released, it will not return void. It, that means it will not return without accomplishing its assignment. Yeah. So the word has an assignment. Amen. The Bible says that Jesus came from the bosom of the father. He comes from the heart of God. He's, he's, he's moved, it's propelled by the breath of God. The breath of God is the ruach, which is the spirit of God. I'm getting deep, so let's get back to The word has an assignment. Say the word has an assignment. assignment. Now I I like to know when my assignment's done. Don't you? I like checklists. Okay, that my my boss, employer, whoever has sent me off with these things. Your spouse sends you off with a shopping list. Go buy these things. I like writing it down because if I don't, for me, if I don't write it down, I get back, and they'll be like, "What about?" I didn't get everything. No, you missed. Yeah. Nobody wants to go back out twice. Right. So how do we know if we fulfilled the assignment unless we know the assignment? Right. Stay with me. And to know the assignment of the word, we need to go to the seed of the word. Because Matthew 13 tells me that the word is a seed. And the sower sows the word. The sower sows the seed. So if I want to know when it's completed, I need to know how it started. Right. Otherwise, I-, I can be in perpetual loop never knowing if I've reached. It's like running a race. How do you know when you cross the finish line? Yeah. How do you know if that assignment's done? How do you know if you've reached the place of what it's been designed to do? i got to go to the DNA of the seed. So if I get an apple seed, I know it's fulfilled not because I just planted it not because I just saw part of a little tree come up. I begin to see, not just when the leaves are coming, I know it's reached its purpose when I am able to eat the fruit of, from the seed. Right. So within that seed is the, the destination of the, the tree which produces fruit. Yeah. And so if I wanna know the assignment of the word, I need to go back to the DNA of the seed. What is the DNA of the seed of the Word of God? What is the DNA of the seed of the Word of God? Gospel of John, chapter 6, verse 63. Jesus said, it is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh conveys no benefit. It is of no account. The words that I have spoken to you, notice this. The words that I have spoken to you, they are spirit and they are life god's word is spirit and god's word is life say god's word is spirit spirit. the greek word is pneuma there god's word is spirit it's pneuma the breath of god the spirit of god god's word is spirit and god's word is life when we when we begin to understand that the power of this, that when God's Word to be activated, for me to get into the alignment of the assignment, I have to know that God's Word, the DNA of that Word, it is a spiritual thing, not just an informational thing. What hinders a lot of Christians is they approach the Word of God historically or informationally, and that's not bad at... at at the beginning phases, you read it to get knowledge, but if the knowledge just stays in your brain, in your mind, you have yet received it in your heart because Romans tells us that we receive understanding that we believe in our heart. We believe in our heart. Matthew 13 says, when that word becomes alive or awakened or revealed to us in our heart, we receive understanding, Matthew 13. And so we have to get it out of the area of just leaving it in the brain. We have to receive the spiritual side of it because there is life. The Bible tells us that the law or the word without the spirit brings death. Right. Have you ever found somebody who knew a lot about the Bible but had no life? They tend to be judgmental. They tend to be critical. They tend to be, you know, be very negative. Boy, they know, their, they know the Bible. They can quote some scripture. And that's an important thing to understand and know the Bible and be able to quote scripture. Don't get me wrong. But that's not the epitome of the goal because the devil quotes scripture. He did it in Genesis. He did it in tempting Jesus. Is it not said? Mm-hmm. What was he doing? He was quoting the Bible. Right. So just because someone quotes the Bible doesn't mean that they are in alignment with the Bible that they're quoting. Exactly. Exactly. It's always somebody who's not serving God that will tell you, why, you should, why you're doing wrong in serving God. Well, you should do better. You should take all your money and give it to me. I, I don't have any money. Get a job. Proverbs said, a man who doesn't work doesn't eat. They're not even serving God. You know, the Bible says you're supposed to walk in love and help me. You don't even read the Bible. I'll tell you, you watch in life over a period of time, you'll see that sometimes the the loudest uh, voices against you, criticizing you, critics of your life, will be people that, that are not doing it themselves. Why? Because if you're spiritual, you're not in criticism, you're in restoration. I mean, 1 Corinthians 13 talks about love, and love covers a multitude of sins. The Bible is very plainly, if you see somebody as an heir, go to them. Don't criticize them. Go to them and restore them. Oh, it got quiet. Back into teaching mode. Hmm. It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh conveys no benefit. It is of no account. And talking about the context of eternity. The words I have spoken to you, they are spirit and they are life. There's a spiritual context to the word of God. Just don't read it for information. Read it for life. Read it for the anointing. Stay in it. Read it. Meditate it. Speak it. What are you doing? You are allowing the process to begin. You allow the process to begin. Allow the process to begin. The Bible says the kingdom of God, Jesus said this, the kingdom of God is of such nature that man goes and plants a seed and comes day and night and does does not know how it produces, but it produces of itself. First the blade, the ear, and the full corn in the ear. He doesn't, doesn't, you don't have to understand all of the mechanics, but you do need to realize that there there is anointing in the word of God. There is the presence of God and the power of God. When the word of God has become legalism to you and just information, you miss out because you don't have life yet. There's life that comes out of the anointing that comes out of that revelation of the word of God. And so when we're we're just saying stuff, it might be just stuff to you at the moment. Keep speaking the word, keep speaking the word, keep speaking the word, keep speaking. Like we talked about the woman with the issue of blood. She said within herself, one translation says, you know, he spoke it out loud, not just in herself, she spoke it, but she kept speaking it. If I can touch the hem of his garment. If I can touch the hem of his garment, if I can touch the hem of his garment, I shall behold. Not to re-preach this, but hey, might as well. And so in the context, it wasn't just the idea of a hem that we know as clothes. She understood the prophecy that in the Old Testament said that when the when the Son of righteousness would rise, he would have healing in his wings. The word wings in the original text literally means that string, those knots that were on the on the hem, on the end of a a prayer shawl, which is referring to righteousness. And so when Jesus talked about going to your prayer closet, he referred to that, he would, you would raise it up over your head, separating, blocking you from seeing the natural so you can focus on the supernatural. Uh, some, some of us, we gotta get away from just staring at the problem and begin to look at the solution. And you would, the idea was they would break that separation and they would have time. It didn't mean they went into a physical closet, though some of us have done that, and there's nothing wrong with that. They would have a separation and they would spend time meditating and, and seeking the Father. And so at the end of that, uh, there was these knots. And those knots represented the commandments of the law. And under the Old Testament, under the law, which Jesus ministered in, he didn't minister in the New Testament, though it's canonized within the context of what we call the New Testament. Jesus came not to destroy, but to fulfill the law. He had to operate within the confinements of what had been established under the law because to demonstrate that humanity could not fulfill the law within themselves. Uh, Paul tells us later, it was literally like, Like a tutor to society because they thought, oh, I'm a good person. Have you ever heard someone say, I'm a good person. I should go to heaven. Well, according to the law, if you sinned once, you were in violation of all of it forever. And so that's why we say good people don't go to heaven. Forgiven people go to heaven. And so under the law that Jesus came and fulfilled it, he had to come into the alignment of that. And when you obeyed the law, there was a blessing in all this provision. But if you disobeyed it, you were under the curse. And so she recognized from historical prophecy, she understood, the the revelation that when the Messiah, and it refers to a son son of righteousness, and they knew that to be the Messiah. When the Messiah would come, he would have healing within those wings. And study on your own time. This is not the only time this happened, by the way. Many people know this particular situation. They think that's the only time. It was not the only time. She said, if I can touch the hem of his garment, if I can touch those knots that represent the law then I can access, because he's the Messiah, the Messiah is the one who not only comes to to set us free, but also to heal us and restore us and set up a new kingdom. And if I can touch his obedience, I can access the benefits of what he's done, what I couldn't do on my own. What do we call that? We call that righteousness. You're saved by grace through faith. You are the righteousness of God in Christ because of your faith in what he's done on the cross, not what you've done. And that's why that though prayer shell was called, or, or, uh, was referring to his righteousness. And so she had, to, she had to move from her position of where she was going. And she was, is this okay? We're just sidetracking. Are y'all okay? If you gotta go do lunch, go do lunch. It's, we're still early. And so, and so I'm just having fun now. I've, I've done forgot you were even here. And so, and so she had to get up from her position because she was awakened within herself when she had heard what Jesus was doing. Look at that text very carefully. So she didn't, wasn't awakened to the reality of him being there until she heard that he was there. It was the hearing of he was there that awakened her to pursue him. It was the hearing that he was there that awakened her to the desire to pursue him. How can they call upon him unless they believe? And how can they believe unless they heard? And how can they hear unless someone preaches? How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel. So it was the hearing of the word that she heard that the Messiah was there, awakened within her a desire to pursue him. And so she got up. Man, there's layers to this story. She got up and began to pursue him. Now, because of the condition and the law that she lived in in that society, she was not allowed to be amongst people. And if she touched anybody, they were unclean too. And so they had a right to not rebuke her. They had a right to stone her. So she was on risk. Everything was on the line. But there was something greater, a desire greater on the inside of her to pursue, to get to him, regardless of the cost of what it would cost her. Whew, okay, now we just stepped in some. Some of us are pursuing the Lord analytically, and I'm not, I'm not saying that's bad because principles are good, but there's another level when you begin to pursue out the passion of your heart regardless of the cost a desire, a passion, I'm going to get to him. But you can't go to him. Why not? There's people. I don't care about those people. But they can stone you. I don't care about that anymore. I'm so hungry, i got to get to him. I'm so hungry, I have to touch the hem of his garments. I'm so hungry. We society has become so convenient in the relationship. Oh, they're convenient in the relationship to pursue him that they stop pursuing him at the first sign of a yield or pause or a stop. Oh, I better not do that because that could get me in trouble. Until you get to the place of God, I am so hungry for you that regardless of the cost, I am touching you. I am going to make contact with covenant today. Not because I feel it, not because it's easy, not because it's convenient. And regardless of the cost, I'm coming to make contact with the Most High. A service, even on Sunday, should not be defined by its time, or its pattern, or its rhythm. It should be defined by the desire of the people. I'm not sitting here long enough, you got so much time, get me out of here because I don't want to be late to the buffet. That is a person that is in a routine, not a person who's passionate about God, because the desire should be, when I walk through those doors, I'm going to experience God, and I'm coming out those doors different than I walked in. She said within herself, she kept saying, if I can touch His, if I can get to Him, I'm going to be changed. If I can get in the presence of Jesus, I'm going to be changed. If I can get into the presence of God, I'm going to be changed. I I don't need a good sermon. I don't need three points and something to tickle my humor and my fans. I need to experience God. I need the the kebab, the weightiness of His presence, the goodness of God. I need, if I can get, that should be for all of us. If I can get in his presence, I'm going to be changed. We can psychoanalyze and try to be better and try to manage and praise God for self-help improvements. But there's a place in life, a place in all of us, where we'll have to get to the place of God. It's you and you alone. And if I can't get to you, I'll die here. But I'm going to rise up because I've heard something within my ears that you are near and of desire. I can't explain it. I can't formulate it. I can't articulate it. I can't communicate it. But on the Inside of me, there's a desire to rise of where I'm at and begin to pursue for someone greater. Because I've learned if I can get into his presence, I will be changed. It's not like a a system that gives you all the steps. It's like you just got to follow me. Jesus told the disciples, follow me and I'll make you. He didn't say, here's the plan, guys, here's the master plan. Now, you're close, so I'm gonna give you all the steps and the agenda and the to-do's. He said, no, you just gotta stay close to me. Yep. And I'll make you what you're called to be. Yeah. If I can touch the hem of his garment. And she had to keep pushing through the crowd. So it wasn't like she said at once, if I can touch the hem of his garment, I know I shall be made whole. Do 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 do. Oh, there he is. Oh, that was a nice uh, trip. There we go. No, that's not how it worked. She was at risk the whole time. She had to keep that in front of her the whole time. She had to keep saying it the whole time. She had to keep saying, if I can get to him. And when she would get to somebody, she had to bump through him, or push through him, and, and try to work through him. And she would hit oppositions and people that wouldn't let her through. And she had to keep re-navigating and keep trying. And I know each time she kept saying, but if I can get to him, if I can get to Jesus, I'll be whole. She had to push through the opposition. If I could get to Jesus, I know I'll be whole. She had to keep saying, if I could get to Jesus, and it kept, she had to keep doing it, it kept pushing, and kept through the struggle, through the weight, through the opposition, through the tensions, through the, the attack of the enemy, through everything that she was facing, she had to keep saying to herself, if I can touch him, there's people that are stopped trying to stop me. There's people that are trying to avoid, keep me from him. There's people that are trying to hinder me from getting to him. But if I can keep pushing, if I I can keep moving, if I can keep moving, if I can keep moving, I'm going to get there. And when I get there, I will be different. If you believe that, give 30 seconds the highest praise to him. Hallelujah. 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 Let the devil know there's nothing going to stop your pursuit. You need to praise him and let the devil know nothing's going to stop your pursuit. No demon, no problem, no issue. You are pursuing him at all costs. We can't be people that say at first sign of opposition, okay, I'll go back. Okay, that was a kind of a strange plan anyway. I'll go back to who I used to be. I'll go back to who I've been labeled to be. I'll go back living in the defined boundaries created for me. She could have stayed there bleeding. She could have stayed there, she had spent all her money, now she's in poverty. She could have stayed there, she was left desolate. She could have stayed, she could have gone back to the place of where she used to be and defined who they called her, what they saw her and what they identified her by. Or she said, I'm gonna keep pushing through. I'm speaking to somebody today. Every time you start to get up, you feel like you're getting pushed back down. Every time you begin to move forward, you feel the opposition of the enemy. Every time you try to do better and be better and live for him, you you find that it seems like it gets harder. Let me tell you, don't stop. Don't stop. Don't be discouraged by the attack. Don't be discouraged. Let it be a sign that you're on the wrong path, uh, on the right path. Let it be a sign that the opposition is actually a confirmation that you are on the right path to Jesus. The right path to destiny. Because the enemy doesn't want you to get to him. Because the moment you get to him... Things are about to change. The moment you get to them, life's about to change. The moment you get to them, your past is gonna be done away with. You don't have to go back to that. You don't have to live with that. You don't have to be tormented with that. You don't have to be bound by that. The moment you get to him, the moment you get to him, the moment you get to him, things are about to change. Let the devil know you're not stopping because you're hurting. Let him know you're not stopping just because you're tired. Let him know you're not stopping just because you have difficulty. Let him know you're not stopping. Let your praise out of your mouth right now. Be a sign to the enemy that's been planned against you. That his plans will not work for no weapon for against you will prosper. And every tongue that rises up against you in judgment you shall condemn it. Do you see it, child of God? Receive in the name of Jesus. Every tongue that rises up against you, you shall condemn. Just on the first bump. Maybe not even the second bump. And I don't know how many bumps you're going to be bumping into before you get there but I'll tell you that if you don't quit you're going to get there for those who hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be filled those who draw near to him he will draw near to you because when you get there things are about to change when you get there the journey is going to change who touched me Jesus said I speak over your life prophetically that right now you're captivating the attention of God as if he's walking through that your faith as you reach up and touch him he's going to say wait a minute Somebody on earth just reached out and touched me. <laughs> Say, I'm going to touch Jesus today. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, give a prayer. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. If you find yourself in a pit today, If you find yourself in a deep pit and you don't even see light, I want you to praise Him right now. I want you to give Him the highest praise because your last day in the pit is today. Hallelujah. I'm coming out of that pit. I'm coming out of that pit for His words, their spirit, and their life. Hallelujah. 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 Bands are being broken. Sicknesses are being destroyed off your life. Poverty is being sent back to hell. Torment of those demons are having a retreat. Whom the Son has set free is free indeed. She had to keep pushing. She had to keep pushing. She had to... P- That's why it's been on my heart for years that the, 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 the modern day church, we need more tenacity we need more tenacity we we have overvalued stuff we have overvalued some things in our life that hinder us from the tenacity that God has designed for us well I can't come to church if I come to church and I might lose my job you have so overvalued a paycheck Instead of looking to the source and say, God, you open the door because I'm going to be at church that I need you to show me what to do because I'm going to church. Revelation says they overcame him, referring to the devil, they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. And they loved, oh man, this is scary here. And they loved not their life unto death. Which means they're saying, devil, Nothing you hold over me can last, because I love Him so much. I've loved Him so much. I've been at His feet worshiping. I've experienced the touch of the Most High. I can't always define it, describe it, or articulate it. But there's something on. See, if you're just doing religion from the mental realm, this makes no sense to you. But if you've experienced Him in a real, personal way, you know that there is nothing that compares to the presence of God. Hallelujah. Shout hallelujah. Come on, take 10 seconds and shout hallelujah. 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 We praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. We praise your name. The words that I have spoken to you, they are spirit and they are life. So the woman with the issue of blood got a hold of the word. She heard the word. Within the context of hearing the word of who Jesus is, something stirred on the inside. She had a desire not just an idea she had a direction and a desire yes. most people jump on desire some some people jump on a direction but you need a desire in a direction the word of god tells us he gives us the desire and ability to do what pleases him yes. you jump on desire you can be jumping off in the wrong direction you run on a oh this is a good idea i read this book you run on a, a direction without a desire you might be finding yourself carrying the weight of the load and she heard the word, and when she heard the word, it stirred within her direction and desire, for she said, if I can get to him, I know I will be whole. And she had to face the opposition and keep pushing through. I'm glad we went to that, this story. And she kept pushing obstacles, not one, not two. There, there was a lot of people, and they were so tight that when Jesus said somebody touched them, Peter said, Lord, there's so many people around us. I, they're all touching you. He said, no, you don't understand. Somebody touched me with a touch of faith, for I felt virtue come out of me. Whew. I felt virtue, that's healing, that's anointing, that's that spirit. I felt some. Some people are touching me, and it's a, it's a interest touch. It's a curiosity touch. It's a routine touch. It's a I should be here on Sunday touch. It's a this is a good thing to do touch. And I'm not unless you're in church, so I'm not diminishing that. But I'm saying there is another level. I'm saying you can eat at what you've been ordering from the menu. But I'm telling you, there is something better on the menu than that. Have you ever been a wait, uh, waiter or waitress? And you're like I'm looking at this, and I said, well, if you like that, flip over the menu. There is something that you really like. Like that's even better than that some of us have been eating some stuff and it's on the menu and it's good but the, the 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 waiter today is telling you if you turn the page of the menu there's something even greater I'm glad you came to church I'm glad you're honoring God on the Sabbath I'm glad you're making that a priority and that's a good thing that's not a bad thing I'm I'm encouraging you in that amen but I'm telling you, if you turn the page there's something else when you and Jesus said someone just didn't touch me out of routine out of habit out of curiosity out of out of the good thing to do. Someone touched me by faith. And when they touched, pursued me and touched me by faith they receive something. I'm telling you, if you get a hold of this, I don't care I don't care what Sunday it is. I don't care what I preach or if we have a guest speaker. I, are you listening to me? If you get a hold of this and it gets in your spirit, they'll never have a service that you'll walk out not having received. Some people think it's all about the, the minister. I'm telling you, it's all about you coming. And reached out by faith. I'm going to come in. I don't care if he's singing the ABCs. And that's, and that's the book for me. I stand on the word of God. I'm going to walk out and say, man, I received something from heaven today. Why? Because you didn't reach out just because it was a good thing, nice thing, pretty thing, should do thing, routine thing, look good thing. You reached out by faith and said, I'm going to make contact. And when she touched him by faith, virtue went into her. I don't know what you need in your life for virtue. Sometimes I just want the anointing just because it feels so good. Hallelujah. But I'm telling you, the anointing, is it's tied to the Word, and it's working dynamically. Say, it's working dynamically. In me and through me. Well, how do we go from a teaching session of this? I don't know, but I'm sure having a good time. I done for God you were here. I'm just having a good It's just me and Jesus right now. This is what I used to do before I even had opportunities to preach. I would just get out and find a parking lot and preach to Works better for me. I get to where I'm not focused on the people, I'm just focused on what the Lord's placing in my heart. Yeah. By words, they are spirit, pneuma, spirit, anointing, virtue, and they are life. That word life there is is the Greek word zoe. It doesn't mean that you're breathing in and out, and that's a good thing. Amen, that we're all breathing in and out. Otherwise, we'd have to stop the service and figure out what to do with you. And so that would be a different story. Or raise you from the dead. Amen. Either way, but it's going to—they are life. It's the zoe. It's the the God quality of life. It's the life that Jesus referred to, John 10.10, that we speak so much about, that the enemy has come to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you might have life. Zoe, God quality. Quality of life, the quality of life. I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly in Jesus, name. in Jesus' name. Nope, that's not what the Lord told me to do. In Jesus' name. I have come that you might have life and life more abund- You're like, what's that about? It's none of your business. Don't let curiosity distract you from what God's doing. Well, I like to know what that is. Then pray. And if the Lord shows you, you can be on the inside. If He doesn't show you, it's none of your business. Zoe, the God quality, John 10, 10, is this okay? This is, this, this is not an average church, so we're not giving you average sermons, so just be glad for that. Okay, and, and, and so, you're like, this is different, you ought to come more often, it's a lot of fun around here. So anyway, John 10, and the thief has come to steal, kill, and destroy, I've come that you might have life. The Zoe, the quality of life that God and only God can bring into your life. It doesn't mean that you're poor, no, poverty's under the curse, Jesus became poor that you might be rich. It doesn't mean you have to drive a Bentley. There's a quality, a richness of life. There's a richness of life. There's a richness of life that affects your health, affects your finances, your relationship, but affects the innermost part of who you are. I like to think of it, and it is a bad example, but it's one that I like. And that's if you've ever eaten a lot of desserts. Anybody here do desserts? Just keep your hand down, and we'll all think everybody's super healthy. I'm... I am a foodie, they might call it. I like food. I like desserts. I, I like cake. Yeah. Now, don't make me cake, because if I don't know or haven't been in your kitchen, I don't know, and it would hit the spot. You know what I mean? I love you. <laughs> I lighten up. And so one thing I found about cakes, if you try different cakes, that, you know, some might cost more, but you get what you pay for. Right. Some cakes, you take a bite on them, and they are just so dry. Some cakes, have you ever had, you take a bite out of it, and it, it, the, the, the flavor is so so rich. The flavor is rich. So rich that one bite, you're like, OMG, I need some milk. It's almost too rich. Come on, somebody. I'm telling you, with Jesus, it's, al- it's almost too rich. It's, almost, it's the quality of life. That's the thing. That's where, And so he said, my words are spirit and they are life. So the, the woman with the issue of blood kept pushing, kept pushing, kept pushing. Now, a lot of times, I'm going to close here because the organ player stopped and he went home. And so, <laughs> too late now. I just, <laughs> the four signs that I turned this way, no, I'm joking. And so, here, here's my last thought, Lord, place in my heart. It's just not about getting out of the pit. The Word of God is not just to get you out of a battle or out of a problem, it's to get you to the place that He's called you to be. Are you listening? That's why we keep speaking the word. We keep feeding you the word. We keep speaking the word because in the process of time, faith cometh, and all of a sudden you wake up, not just that I don't have to be sick. Now you wake up that I'm called to a whole different level. It's, uh, there, there's a level of saying, I, uh, oh, I don't have to be poor anymore. No, now you say, Father, I thank you. You have blessed me to impact a generation. Do you see the difference? some of us we stop at the place of getting out of the pit but he didn't call you to just get out of the pit he called you to be promoted to the love proverbs for the path of the righteous shines brighter and brighter are you listening to me he not only brought he didn't he just just bring him out of the prison he brought joseph to a place of prominence that's the two words i want don't just work and believe for getting out of a pit look to the place of prominence Oh, that, that's out of the spirit. Don't just look for the place of I'm trying to not lose. Get to the place of I'm looking for the place of prominence. I'm looking for the place that he's called me to be. I'm looking for the place that I can't even describe it how I got there. I'm looking for the people that how'd you do it? And I can say, it was Jesus. I just did what he's shown me to do. I'm... G- I'm reminded to a boxing match that happened so many years ago. Maybe if you're a boxing fan, you'll remember this, and it was between Tyson and Holyfield. Do you remember the Tyson-Holyfield fight, the first one? Tyson was a, a fierce beast. He was bad to the bone. We used to watch him before he went and made it to the pros. He was just a machine, and he kind of went a little too far. He got really weird. And he was fighting Holyfield, who was a again, Spirit-filled Christian. And most people that fought Tyson, all they wanted to do is not die. I'm telling you, they, they just wanted a paycheck and not die. That was it. That was their goal. Some of them first round, I mean, they cost themselves so much in pay-per-view money because no one wanted to watch the fight and pay on pay-per-view because all you had to do is wait for the news the next day and in 30 seconds you'll see the whole fight. Right, right. I mean, he just clobbered people. Some of them went down and I know they weren't out. You can see because they felt like this. I'm out. I can't think of the name of the boxer. Hold a second though. But most of them fought with the idea of, I'm trying not to lose. Holyfield went with a different attitude. He didn't go in, I'm going to try to survive. He went in with the idea of, I'm going to go to a place of prominence. I am going to win. I'm coming in. I'm training. I'm fighting. I'm fighting to win. I'm fighting to win. I'm not fighting to I'm not fighting to survive. Say, I'm not fighting to survive. Come on, shout. I'm not fighting to survive. I'm fighting to win. Davis said, What is the reward to the man who takes down this Goliath, this giant? Lester Summerall said, used to say, Never fight any giant that doesn't have milk and honey. Because when you win, you just don't want to say I won. You just don't want the W in your chart. You want the victory, but you also want the reward. If you're going to battle, you want to come out better. Can I get an amen? See if I'm going to battle, I want to come out better. And so Holyfield is fighting Tyson, and after the fight, Holyfield ends up winning. And they raise his glove, and then they interview him. How did you do that? And I loved his answer. He just said, when the Holy Spirit told me to duck, I ducked. When the Holy Spirit told me to swing, I swung. He goes, I just followed God. I could feel the anointing on me. So many people are trying to look for a listed, scripted step. I'm just saying, just obey what the Lord shows you to do with a mentality that I am not coming out of just trying to survive the storm. I am going to the place of prominence because the word of God, are, they are, words are spirit and they are life. Get into the assignment alignment of his word. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you should ask what you want. See, I went from telling one story. Look where it took us. You've done miss lunch. It's 2 o'clock. Wouldn't it be wild if that happened one day? We'd be three hours of preaching and feel like it's... My words, they are spirit and they are life. Why do we speak the word? It's because we're getting to the alignment of what God was saying. And speak it so we can hear it, so that we can get a desire and a direction, and pursue it against all obstacles, and develop a tenacity. I speak the anointing of tenacity in your life. You will not quit. You will not quit. You will not quit. You will not quit. In Jesus' name, you will not quit. Say I will not quit. Shout, I will not quit. Hallelujah. John 15 7 if you abide in me my words abide in you you shall ask what you will it shall be done in you he goes on to say Here is my father glorified that you produce much fruit verse 16 I'm, you have not chosen me I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and produce much fruit Amen. this is what gives glory to your father how do we do that stay connected to him if I can touch them I'm going to be changed yes. what do we do abide in his love how do we abide in his love that verse says just do what he tells you to do obey him Don't overcomplicate it, just obey. Do what he shows you to do and watch him do what only he can do, amen. If you believe that, give the Lord a biggest hand clap of praise. Hallelujah. If you be so kind and gracious, bow your head and close your eyes if you're here today, no one looking around. If you do not have a real relationship with Jesus Christ, if you don't know him, it is a real thing. The way you process, the way you experience, you can know for yourself that Jesus is real and your Lord and Savior. Your sins can be forgiven. A clear and clean conscience, you know you're going to heaven. If you don't, this is the day. Maybe this is the first time you've heard the gospel, or maybe you've allowed stuff to come between you and God and you know your heart's not right. Either way, He loves you, and this is your opportunity, your day. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want you to repeat this prayer revelation 3 jesus said i stand at the door and i knock if you open up i'll come in romans 10 says those who call upon the name of the lord shall be saved with the heart man believes with the mouth confession is made in the salvation if you want to know jesus if you want to accept him as your lord and savior let this prayer come out of your mouth from your heart say with me heavenly father i repent of all my sins i turn to you today I believe in my heart, and I confess with my mouth that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that He came to this earth in the flesh, died on a cross for my sins, was buried for me, and on the third day rose again for me because I believe that. I ask you, Jesus, to come into my heart, wash me in your blood, Cleanse me. Give me a fresh start. Say, Jesus, I ask you to be my Lord and Savior. Thank you for saving me. Amen. Shout amen. amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer so I know who I was praying with, and I want to speak a blessing over your life. If you prayed that prayer at the count of three, I want you to lift your hand so I know who I was praying with. One, two, three. Pastor, that was me. Who was I praying with? 11, 12, Two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen. Fourteen. 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21. Wow, 21. Anybody else I missed? Keep your hands raised. Father, I ask that we seal them with the blood of Jesus. We sanctify them. We set them apart by your word and your anointing and your blood. And I ask that you strengthen them with might by your spirit in the inner man. We break every curse off them. Every assignment of the enemy that's against them, we cancel it. We bring them and we thank you that they are now new, brand new in the kingdom of God. Bless them, Father God, in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone shouted. Now, if you pray.